Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, and your moderator for this morning. Today is Sunday, November 7th, 2021. The sheer ID numbers for Friday, November 5th, are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 18,036, that's 18036. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 18,037, that's 18037. This morning, A Vision for You presents Connecting with Power. The purpose of the Big Book is to change your life through a 12-step process of personal transformation leading to a connection with power and a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to overcome compulsive overeating. If you're suffering from compulsive overeating, the big book provides clear directions as to how you can experience such an awakening through a process of searching, praying, and taking action. Those of us who have walked this path can assure you of its effectiveness. We once suffered in hopelessness and despair too. Now we are new people with a new purpose. We have been transformed. Now connected with power, we have entered the world of the spirit, tapping and connecting to an unsuspected inner resource and conscious contact is the culmination of all the steps. We have taken all the steps to lead us to begin to sense the flow of his spirit into us. As a result of the searching, the praying, and the action of steps 4 through 10, the obstacles that were blocking us from our higher power have been removed. Of course, our daily reprieve depends on the maintenance and improvement of our connection with power. Joining us today to speak on this vital topic of connecting with power is Lisa H., a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Lisa is dedicated to the 12-step path, which, of course, includes carrying this message of recovery. And it's with great pleasure and appreciation I welcome Lisa H. to the line this morning. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Leah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for asking me, um, especially to share on this topic of connecting with power. Um, My name is Lisa H., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Memphis, Tennessee. I must admit, there's always a little trepidation um, before doing a special edition, so here's a simple prayer as we begin. Lord, take me where you want me to go. Let me meet who you want me to meet. Tell me what you want me to say, and keep me out of your way. And this prayer is attributed to um, Father Michael Judge. You all may have heard it before. He was a New York City Fire Department chaplain um, who was killed on 9-11. But it is a, it's a beautiful prayer um, and, and can keep me focused this morning. 
I'd like to tell you a little bit about myself before I get into the heart of the topic of connecting with power. Um, some of you may know me and some of you may not, but um, I'm one of those fellows <clears throat> who believes that I've always been a compulsive overeater. I can remember as a child reaching for a sweet treat to calm me or cheer me, to comfort me, and then going back again and again and again um, for that effect. I, of course, I didn't know, right, growing up why I did that, um, but I always wanted more. Um, I identify in with those whose every thought and every decision was based on food, how much I could get or how little I should eat, where I could get it, where I could take it so no one would see me eat it. And of course, you know, if no one saw me eat it, it didn't really count. How much exercise did I have to do to burn off my last binge? As I weighed myself every day, several times a day, the scale would dictate my mood. If it was down, I would celebrate and tell myself I could have just a little bit more. Just a little bit more wouldn't hurt. If the number was up on the scale, I would berate myself and then say, what the heck? Um, and of course, I used a stronger word, but for these purposes, what the heck, and eat whatever I wanted. I remember dieting with my dad, um, interestingly enough. And then when I moved away from home, um, I went to the pay and weigh for decades. I would, I would, you know, drop 25 pounds and then up 30 pounds and down 30 pounds and up 25 pounds and again and again and again. Um, you know, I would tell myself, like many of us, I'll start tomorrow, or I'll start on Monday, or of course, on, when January 1st comes, right, I'll, I'll start then. Um, I heard things like, there's no reason for you to be fat, and you would be so pretty if you would just lose some weight. So you get the idea. Um, I, the struggle, you know, lasted through Oh, gosh, nearly, well, two decades in my marriage um, and even longer, actually. I've been married for 33 years now to a recovered alcoholic, and I have two adult children. My first exposure to OA uh, was in the summer of 2014 when a friend asked me to go to a meeting with her. And, of course, my MO was to go with her and support my friend, but I found that I was very uncomfortable um, and as life would have it, shortly after that first meeting, um, my friend's son was diagnosed with cancer, and neither one of us went back. So as 2015 rolls around, and of course in the new year, I thought to myself, I've got to do something, right? I'm always thinking, I've got to do something. Um, and I truly thought, <laughs> in my mind, I thought, does anyone else think about food as much as I do? Um, does to do, do all their decisions and um, actions, is, are they based on food? Um, the, the obsession with food and weight was killing me. So in this desperate state, um, I pulled out the OA newcomer packet. Um, I don't even know. I mean, again, this is a long time. Everything's virtual now. But there's a page that I read that had 15 questions. Are you a compulsive overeater? And I'm telling you, it was like ding, 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 ding. This was me. Um, I went back to an O. I went back to the same OE, OA meeting that I'd been to, 
And there was one person in the room who said she hadn't had sugar in five years and she was in a healthy body. And I thought to myself, that's just not possible. Um, you know, she, she, of course, you know, they say, see, you see someone that has what you want, ask them how they got it. And so I asked her, of course, if she would sponsor me and, um, she didn't have time, which I was respectful of that, but she did help me get started. She did suggest that I write down my red light foods. And I really think that's all I can remember. Um, but I walked away from that OA meeting knowing I needed more. Um, that's when I started listening to phone meetings and found this very meeting, a healthy OA meeting. And the folks on the line started talking about the big book and that they had an allergy of the body and a mental obsession. And I had never heard about this allergy of the body. The mental obsession, I was well acquainted with. I started listening every day. I listened to recorded meetings. I called fellows. I, I got a sponsor who guided me through the big book. And I got recovered. And that was six and a half, a little over six and a half years ago now. Um, and there's not, there has not been a day that I had wanted or needed to use food to hurt myself or calm myself. Um, I'm recovered now, right, as a result of working the 12 steps. I have had a spiritual awakening um, as a result of the steps and the mental obsession around food and weight has been removed. And of course, this was, this was done to me, not by me, um, but I had to do this hand in hand with my power and with you all. Um, thanks be to God for that. Um, I, I made this decision, I made a decision to follow the directions in the big book, right? We have the first 164 pages is, is, an, is an amazing set of instructions. And it has been one of the best decisions um, in my life. So my topic this morning is connecting with power. And if we had talked before OA, I would have told you that I had a perfectly fine relationship with God. Thank you very much. Um, I was at church every time the doors opened. I did Bible study and small groups and I volunteered at a retirement community and even participated in half-day silent retreats. But God was up there, out there, and I just thought that's the way it was. I would also say um, that there were a few times in my life that I felt connected with God. I felt directed by God. Um, for example, when I was 19 and I, I happened to be in church and the priest said, your service to others is your service to God, um, which moved me so much. It was at that moment that I knew that I was meant to go to nursing school and become a nurse, and that's what I did. Another example is when I, I met my husband, and I just knew that this is what God wanted for me. Um, he brought me this amazing um, Southern gentleman, as I like to call him. I would also say there were times when I felt God's presence, like when we would go to the mountains of North Carolina, and I would be so taken um, with the beauty and the peace of this place. And then, of course, I would think, why can't, why can't I have this kind of experience when I'm at home? You know, um, and sadly, these connections were, were few and, and far between. Now, you know, as a recovered woman, I can, I, I'm, I've, 
make the effort to connect with God every day. Um, understanding that truly I only have a 24-hour reprieve, right? Contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. And, and for me, it is of paramount importance that I work to cultivate a strong connection with power. Um, I do love that one of our fellows says, stay connected to stay protected. Um, and and um, that's what I'm going to continue to talk about. So where, so where do we begin? And interestingly enough, every time um, I've done one of these special editions, and it seems to me that every time I do it, I, where do we begin? Well, to me, the beginning, first and foremost, is we have to be abstinent to connect with power. Um, in the doctor's opinion, at the bottom of XXVI, it says, more often than not, it's imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached, as he has a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. And on page XXX, <clears throat> it says, the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. If we had talked about abstinence prior to OA, I would have said I quit eating sugar hundreds of times. And of course, when I got to go weight, which I also did many, many times, and was told I could now moderate sugar, it was, I was off to the races, right? I was triggering the allergy and clouding any connection with God I thought I might have. But my experience with abstinence in OA was very different. It was suggested that um, I make a detailed list of my alcoholic binge foods, ingredients, and behaviors, and to abstain from them. And I think I heard this on the line. Like I said, I had never heard about this allergy of the body before I started listening to, um, to A Vision for You. I knew I had a mental obsession, um, but this allergy of the body was very new to me. And of course I said, you know, I'm married to a recovered alcoholic. We've had the big book on our shelves for years. You kind of would have thought he would have suggested it to me, but, but he didn't. Um, so I, I, so what I did was I made this list um, and I put it on my kitchen table and I would pray all through the day, especially with each meal, you know, God help me not eat any of these foods just for today. And of course, in no time I began to get a headache and I was tired and I was so grumpy. And my dear friend said to me, Lisa, it's the sugar. And, and so, you know, if I reflect on that, I don't think I had ever really, truly eliminated all the sugar. Um, as my body began to clear the sugar, my mind began to clear as well. Um, I heard a fellow, I heard a fellow say one time, you know, God's not going to take the fork out of my mouth and, you know, getting abstinent takes some courage and it, and there's some discomfort. Um, especially in the beginning. And I had to come up with strategies to stay abstinent. You know, it was during this time that I, man, I listened to meetings. I listened to uh, more than one meeting a day. Um, I listened to special editions. I cold called fellows um, when I heard something that they said that resonated with me. Uh, I started working with a sponsor who guided me through the big book um, I started reading the big book and writing out my thoughts um, on what I read. 
I actually started doing a service on this line and, and sought out recovered fellows um, to get their experience, strength, and hope. Um, this really helped me to stay abstinent, to get abstinent and stay abstinent. And what did all these people have in common? Um, they had found a power greater than themselves that solved their problem. They were connecting with this power. They were working the steps daily, and they were carrying this message of recovery to others. And that is what I wanted. I mean, the idea that I could, that the mental obsession could be removed was a huge, right, huge impetus for me to keep doing this work. Um, and because they knew, like page 45 says, lack of power was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live. And it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. But where and how were we to find this power? Well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself that will solve your problem. And it means, of course, that we are going to talk about God. It seems to me that I finally have come to a place where I don't shy away from talking about God. Now, I don't push it down other people's throats, but I am willing to talk about it and relate my experience. Um, I, have, I have a confidence in a God I cannot see, but I know without a doubt exists. And I choose to call my I choose to call my higher power God, right? My my God is so big that's just impossible for me to truly comprehend. Um, like page forty forty six says, it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power which is God. And I and I am truly surrounded and filled by a presence that I cannot explain. Um, there are really no human words that can adequately explain this power. Of course, the big book makes it clear that you can, you can call your higher power anything that works for you. You know, it can be, it can be God, but it can also be the acronym, which is just good orderly direction. You know, it can be spirit, spirit of the universe, creative intelligence, wonderful counselor, I love that one of our one of our um, fellows just calls it my creator. Um, and then when I first started in this program, there was a fellow who, you know, God rest her soul, called her power DD, which meant divine director. Um, and and then more recently, I heard someone else say they had a friend that called their higher power Sid, and the acronym for that was strength, inspiration, and direction. And, and I had another fellow who I asked her, you know, I told her that I was um, doing this special edition and, and she would say she's agnostic. I can't remember if she would say she's atheist, but when she's talking about her higher power to other people, she calls it buddy, which, which I just love, you know, um, for people that are agnostic, it may be something as simple as love, beauty, justice, or truth, um, honesty, integrity, any of those things, right? Um, the pronoun doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that it's he, she, or it. Um, I'm not a fan of, of inanimate objects being a higher power, but um, as long as it's not me, right? That there is a power out there and it's not me. Page 46 also says, you know, our own conception, 
however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to affect contact with him, right? And then we have, so, so we have identified, right? I mean, we can, you know, again, we can call this higher power. I mean, the big book has all these um, identifiers for higher power. Um, and so, so it, and to me, this idea that, um, that it is roomy, it is inclusive, it's never exclusive, it's so big, um, is, is open to all of us. So then we have to, we do have to make an effort to seek this power, right? The, um, page 46 also says, we found that God does not make too hard terms for those who seek him. So I just talked about this. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open to all men and, and I'll add women. And on page 55, it says, sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. And 57 tells us he has come to all who have honestly sought him. When we drew near to him, he disclosed himself to us. Um, page 60 tells us that no human power could have relieved our alcoholism, that God would and could if we were sought. So, you know, of course, part of my action, too, is I have to seek to find this power, um, especially, right, every day um, if I'm going to stay abstinent and, and get recovered. Um, if, if you're new to this, sometimes, you know, it may be helpful to, to seek out God in a specific place. Um, it could just be in nature. Uh, it could be a place of worship. Um, both of these, you know, places, if you will, can enhance our connection with God. Uh, you know, I grew up in a church, of course, which taught me about God. But like I said, God was always up there, out there. You know, but as an adult, I've been able to choose my own conception of God, and I've been able to change what I thought about God, and especially how I connect with God. Page 55 tells us that deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It goes on to say, we finally saw that some kind of God was part of our makeup just as much as a feeling we have for a friend, that we found that the great reality deep down within us. And for me, this was a game changer. I never heard anybody say that God was within me, I, or if they said it somehow, I just missed it. Um, but God became personal to me because God, the spirit of God was in me. It was a little bit, I mean, I felt like I was, you know, that saying you may have heard that God was in this place, right? God was in me, and I didn't know it. Um, and, and, the, and the revelation of this um, to me was, was amazing. So after we have, you know, sought out this power, maybe we have identified, maybe we've given it a name, maybe we haven't. Um, the next thing, you know, the next thing actually that we are guided to do is to ask, to, to perhaps have conversation with this power. And, and how, you know, how do we ask? We ask through prayer. So what's prayer? 
Um, for me, prayer is a, it is a recognition of our need for some power other than our own. It is a conscious request for help. It is communicating thoughts and feelings, speaking to God, right? It's making our desires known. It is offering thanks, asking for care, for guidance, for protection, um, you know, through prayer. And I, I'm going to talk about each, each step um, and how we can pray through each step. But as we, you, we can use, use prayer to find guidance through the steps. For me, prayer is an essential tool for discerning the will of God in my life. Um, We may find ourselves praying in the strangest places in order to keep our everyday lives in tuned with this power. Um, I heard I I heard a fellow say one time, um, I prayed to I prayed to a concept of God that was no more than three letters of the alphabet, but I prayed. And page 158 reminds me of how I prayed before OA. Um, it says, I prayed to God on hangover mornings and sworn that I'd never touch another drop. But by nine o'clock, I'd be boiled as an owl. And I prayed over and over and over that God would help me with this food problem. And, and before OA, of course, I was disappointed. You know, I was disappointed when God just didn't, right, take the fork out of my mouth or help me to push away from the table or moderate or, you know, eat like other people. Um, and now, right, with incorporating prayer, with this asking for guidance and strength and direction, um, I begin my day, you know, with, with prayer. Um, I especially, um, and a lot of people suggest this. I'm one of those people that make a gratitude list. Um, and then I heard someone say, well, you know, don't just make a gratitude list, but pray for, pray and thanks for all the things on that list. And so that's what I do first thing. Um, I've had to develop strategies during the day to turn in prayer. Um, you know, things like, saying a prayer every time I sit down to eat a meal um, connects me with power. Um, I happen to have this smooth stone that I got at an OA convention one time. Um, and on this stone is the word prayer. And it's in my car. And every time I get in the car, it's there. And it reminds me to pray. Um, I've told this story before, but, but in my job, I wash my hands a lot. Um, And this helps me to pause and to pray. Um, I'm new to the Apple Watch, and and it has this function that says breathe. Um, And I didn't set it up, but every time that that breathe comes up, that's my reminder to pray. Um, I also have this amazing fellow who sets an alert on her phone for every two hours to remind herself to pray. And, And honestly, it doesn't matter where she is. When that alarm goes off, she makes the attempt to pause and pray. Historically, I found that I really only prayed when I was in need or in trouble or sad. Um, but now, you know, I, I believe God wants connection with me all the time. Uh, before OA, you know, I really thought that God didn't care um, about something as insignificant as my food. 
Um, but today I believe that God cares about everything, especially my food. My relationship with God has really become my most important relationship, you know, which in turn makes my earthly relationship so much stronger and deeper and, and more meaningful. What I have heard from many sources, and, and I believe this to be true, that prayer doesn't change outcomes, but it does change the person who's praying. So um, after enough on prayer for the moment, um, I'm going to keep talking about it, right? Because this is the, this is the most intimate way that I can connect with power. Um, and, and so we do have to, we do have to um, get into the action, right? We have to get into the working of the steps. And while we're working the steps, you know, the big book lays out directions on prayer and connection. I didn't count how many times the big book says we ask, but it's a lot. Um, and I'm getting ready to tell you about it from the very beginning of this work. Um, and I didn't write down the page number. Um, the big book says, um, wait a minute from the beginning. Oh, so what, sorry. From the beginning, I'm going to tell you more in just a second. Um, we are, from the very beginning of doing this work, our attempt, um, our work is to cultivate a relationship with power, right? And, and prayer is a key action while moving through the steps. So I'm going to go through each step and tell you a little bit about um, what I have found there. So step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. <clears throat> And if we have had an authentic experience of powerlessness, you know, we admit we have no choice, no control, and no power in and of ourselves, physically, mentally, or spiritually. Um, I I say often I had to come to the end of myself. I had to stop trusting food, right? (laughs) I was making food my higher power. Um, I was make I was trusting food to be this power greater than myself, and and I truly had to admit defeat, because um, right like most of us, um, I had tried I tried everything had truly tried everything. Uh, oh, it's page fifty nine. Just before the steps are listed, it says, "But there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now." And the prayer here is we asked his protection and care with complete abandon. Okay, so we're working at this point, right? We are, we've, we've, you know, admitted our powerlessness and we are getting abstinent. And so step two tells us, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, right? We need some power other than our own or any human power. You know, page 62 to 63 um, says, first we had to quit playing God, right? It didn't work. Um, It goes on to say we had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. And further down, it says we felt a new power flow in. Right? Here's our connection. 
and we became conscious of his presence. Um, step three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Right, step three, we're making a decision. Um, you know, we're making a decision that this power exists, um, and, and I'm not the power. Um, and, and I think in step three, I'm also choosing to have a relationship with power. Um, and of course, making the decision to continue to work the steps. Um, and, and part of step three for me was how am I, how am I going to cultivate this relationship with power? Um, and certainly it is through, you know, the searching and the praying, um, and, and then going on to do, um, you know, four through 12. Page 63, um, we have the third step prayer, you know, that begins, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. And, and many of us um, use this prayer on a daily basis, of course, creating, uh, attempting to establish connection. Um, I had an example of a, of a fellow who said that they started and ended the day with the third step prayer. And he said he noticed things started to change. And then he backed up and rephrased it, um, saying that he started to change. And step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. So when I got to step three, um, and, and certainly um, I had never done this before, um, you know, the first time I, I, I did this complete step four, it was really important to me to ask God to be with me and to ask God to show me, right, what needed to be listed. Um, and, and the amazing thing was, is that um, things that I had seemingly forgotten, um, forgotten about came to the surface. While we're writing our fourth step, we say the sick man's prayer, right, for each resentment. And from page 67, we asked God, we asked God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. And God save me from being angry. Thy will be done. When we're writing out our fear inventory, page 68 directs us saying we ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. And in the sex inventory on page 69, it says, we asked God to mold our ideals and to help us to live up to them. And further down the page, it says, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. The right answer will come if we want it. And in all of this, right, we are trying to get and grow a relationship with power. And step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Embarking on the fifth step <clears throat> definitely takes some courage to share everything with God and another human being. And at this point, I was asking God just to be present with me and my sponsor as I did this so that I could be rigorously honest, so that I didn't leave anything out. And, and in so doing, 
um, on page 75, the promises on page 75 began to come true, especially where it says we began to feel the nearness of our creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel we are on the broad highway, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe, right? This is connection, but this is just the beginning. And I believe that this gives us the strength to keep working. Page 75 directs us uh, where it says, we thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. And again, prayer for me is probably the most, well, this prayer may be the most important, especially because it's a prayer of gratitude. Step six and seven, we're entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character and humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. And I think that, um, you know, starting prayer early on certainly is beneficial to me when I get here. Because if I haven't been attempting to connect before this, how am I going to humbly ask him to remove my shortcomings? You know, in the big book, there are just two short paragraphs. Um, that emphasize willingness, willingness to let go of the things that we admitted are objectionable. You know, and it says if we hesitate, right, page 86 tells us we ask to be, we ask God to help us be willing. The second paragraph, of course, is the beautiful seven-step prayer. You know, we pray um, that God will have all of us good and bad. We pray that God remove our defects of character so that we can be useful. And we ask for strength to do God's will. And this is another one of those that's often used um, when we do a 10 step, you know, um, humbly asking God to remove, you know, whatever the resentment, fear, uh, irritation might be. Steps eight and nine. Um, Step eight made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And nine made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. So it's time to go out and repair the damage done in the past. And there can be some fear here and some hesitancy for sure. Um, Page 76 directs us that if we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. For me, when I began making amends, I used a prayer as simple as, God, please take my fear away. And I literally would repeat it over and over. And, and that, that feeling of trepidation or anxiousness or whatever, it was just amazing how it worked um, and, and continues to work for me, um, especially, you know, in making amends. Page 79 gives us some guidance. When it says, we remind ourselves that we have decided to go to any lengths for a spiritual experience. We ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. While making amends on page 83, 
It directs us to ask each morning in meditation that our Creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. And page 83 and 84 then contain those nine-step promises, which I believe details how we, how we now are moving into a God-centered life instead of a self-centered life. Page 84 says, we suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. And, and about the promises, they will materialize if we work for them, right? And this indicates action and, and more action. Um, step 10 continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. And page 84 tells us we've entered the world of the spirit, and our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness, right? This is, we continue, the word continue, continue, continue. Continue on a daily basis to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, the first thing we do, the first thing we're directed to do is ask God at once to remove them. And often when, I am, when, I, when I'm taking a 10th step, I, I often um, am concerned that fellows are quick to immediately call someone and talk it out and forget this vital piece because first we ask God at once to remove them. Um, and, and sometimes, right, you know, sometimes this is enough um, for me to ask God if it's, if it's you know, something minor, um, and, and, that will, and it will be removed. But often it's not, right? Often I need to immediately discuss it with someone else. This is to me, this is where fellows, right, our fellows who are God with skin on can help me process my irritation. And God, I think, speaks through them with feedback and possible suggestions as how to turn it around. Um, and when I have, especially when I have um, a really strong resentment towards someone else, my fellows, when taking my 10 steps, often suggest that I pray for that person. And I think, oh, ugh, right? Which when I do it, it always helps. Um, to me, this step is an integral part of staying connected with power because as we've heard so many times, right, the buildup of human emotions will quickly block us off from our power. Page 85 tells us um, that we have a daily reprieve, right, contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. And every day is a day when we must carry God's will into all our activities. And the prayer here is, how can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. Further down the page, it says, if we have carefully followed directions, we have begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God conscious. And here is an amazing, right? This is the gift. This is the grace. You know, this is the unearned gift um, and, and, you know, that God is giving us, right? He is giving us and we are becoming God conscious. Um, and again, we've been praying through this whole, through the whole time. Um, if we follow the directions in the big book, we have daily or hopefully many times a day 
connected with our power through prayer and action. And step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And page 85 suggests, right, prayer and meditation. We should not be shy, it says, on the matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly. It works if we have the proper attitude and work at it, right? So, you know, this tells me that the spiritual life takes work. It's like any relationship that I might have with a friend. It requires intentional effort on my part to grow this relationship. It takes daily practice for me to incorporate prayer and meditation. Page 80, on page 86, um, the big book directs us, right, to um, uh, at night to constructively review our day. After an honest and thorough review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. It gives us directions on awakening. We ask God to direct our thinking, especially that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives. And when we are faced with indecision, the big book says we ask God for inspiration and intuitive thought or decision. Um, and those are, that's really, that's powerful stuff. Again, if we are clear-headed and if we are prayerful and if we are doing this action, it is amazing, um, amazing what things can come. Um, I share my nightly review uh, with another fellow. And we pray together, just as we pray together on this line at the end of each meeting. This, to me, is also a powerful practice of connecting um, in prayer with others. I mean, right, there are sometimes 300 people on the line, and we are praying together. And we say the serenity prayer together. Um, And hopefully, um, and many of us say this, you know, many times a day, but hopefully we we are really internalizing the words a little more each time we say it. The serenity prayer, like I said, is a mainstay for many fellows. You know, we receive strength for this journey, uh, this journey that we're on knowing, right, that there are so many other people that have been through what we've been through, that are doing the work that we're doing, and that are recovered, right, and taking action every day to stay recovered. One of my favorite, one of my favorite lines is on page 87, and it says, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times, right? Because we are human, um, and we're learning, we're growing, and we're in this, this changing process. Um, again, thanks be to God. So prayer for me um, it is communicating with God. And, and meditation, and there's lots of different um, definitions for meditation, but for me, meditation is listening to God, um, which means I have to stop talking, and I have to stop act, asking, and I do have to listen, um, and I have to be still. Um, I, I, you know, you know uh, for me, especially in the morning, you know, I, I'm, God is present for me in that stillness. I start my day, um, my, my quiet time alone with God, 
and after my my prayer time reading and writing I do sit in silence um, I actually set a timer um, and I listen to how God wants to direct my day you know and of course this can be challenging um, as my monkey brain often wants to jump into the day get to that laundry list and and get moving um, so to keep focused during this meditation time, um, I might just think, you know, breathe in God and breathe out self. And, and I have used this. And again, this is something I heard, I don't know, maybe in the very beginning, it, well over six years ago, I heard this on the line and it has been, um, been so helpful to me. And I, I think the other thing that really stands out for me, um, our prayers don't have to be complicated. You know, they can be simple. Um, what does it say? You know, some people just say, thy will be done. And they're saying that all day long, right? That's keeping the connection. So, you know, just something to think about, you know, are you able to be still enough to become intimately equated with the one who lives within? And page 87 emphasizes this when it says, we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next right step is to be. That we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We especially ask for freedom from self-will. Um, the big book suggests that we may select a few set prayers, right, to memorize, um, which emphasize the principles that we've been discussing uh, my sponsor gave me a list of, of step prayers, you know, which I found very helpful as I was getting started in step one, in step two, um, of course, especially like I mentioned, step three, that I could use those prayers at each step. Um, and they helped me focus, right? They helped me focus on one, one step at a time. Um, the set aside prayer is a personal favorite and, and, I'm sure someone on the line can tell me uh, where it comes from. Um, but what I know is it is helpful every time I'm faced with a new situation, a fearful situation or a challenging situation. Um, in essence, you know, I'm praying to set aside everything I know, everything I think I know, right? Cause don't you know, I think I know it all. And, and I'm, and I'm praying for an open mind and a new experience. And for me to be able to grow and change and have this transformation, I really do need to have an open mind and be open to a new experience. Um, the bottom of page 87 directs us as we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the, next, for the right thought or action humbly saying to ourselves, thy will be done, right? What a simple, beautiful way to stay connected to God. Um, and, and another thing, I again, a lot of these things, some of it's mine, a lot of it I have heard on the line before, but I love the acronym that I've heard for the word pause. And there's actually two. One is pray and use step 11. And the other one is pray and use spiritual energy. Um, those are great things to use or to think about when I need to pause or when life is difficult and I feel like I'm in the pause, you know, is this ever going to get better? 
um, I really have to dig in and, and use this step 11. So um, I, one of the things that I, I believe that I really, um, I need to be present, right? I need to be in the present moment if I'm going to connect with God. I say often, if I'm in the past, I'm in resentment. And if I'm in the future, I'm in fear. And where I want to connect with God is right in the present. You know, we live in a distracted, cluttered, noisy, busy um, existence. And, and the decision to seek connection with power is not always easy, right? I mean, we are, all of us, living in the fast lane. And, and this can impair our quality and our connection to power. So. The key, right, the key is daily practice. Um, I love when when I've heard people say, um, right, wash, rinse, and repeat, right? And I do have to wash, rinse, and repeat because I wake up every day a compulsive overeater. You know, does it take 21 days to form a habit or practice? You know, perhaps. Um, But if we are focused on this, you know, one day at a time, this new practice will become a part of who we are. Uh, I feel that to be true for myself. And, and of course, as the big book says, it becomes a working part of the mind. So step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So remember, right, this spiritual awakening is done to us not by us. You know, we do this, we do this with God. You know, we now have the opportunity um, as recovered fellows to guide others as we have been guided. You know, page 164 that we say um, at the end of every meeting, ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each man, each day for the man who is still sick. This confirms for me what page, that, you know, page uh, 77 says, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. Daily practice of this way of life really helps to ensure me, um, ensure immunity from compulsive eating, right? And, and as I diligently practice this way of living, um, I can and we can become channels, um, channels of the spirit. One of, my, one of my spiritual teachers says a spiritual awakening, and you probably, you, you all may have heard this, but a spiritual awakening is like a dimmer switch <clears throat> that moves one notch at a time. It does, however, move in both directions. And I need to lean in and lean into it and keep moving forward, right? If I rest on my laurels, the dimmer switch will slowly move backward. And, and, and you may have heard, you may have had sponsees, you may have had fellows um, that said, you know, if they relapse or, or uh, succumb to the desire again, right, and gone back to the food. Um, and if you talk about, you know, what happened, you know, that I, I, I think, and often for me, what occurs is people have let up on this spiritual practice. Right. And so we want to, again, we want to encourage people. I, I, you know, I do encourage people at the very beginning, um, however simple that prayer is, 
um, could be, I mean, a prayer, a mantra, whatever it is, to, to grasp onto something simple um, to use. I, I have to pray. I have to pray on a daily basis for love and tolerance for those whose ways baffle or disturb me, right? Sometimes it's something as simple as bless them and change me. I, I'm, with my 10 steps, I am always praying for acceptance of others. You know, it can be challenging, right, at times. And that's when, you know, we have, we have fellows we can turn to. Um, we have people, um, like many people like to call their God squad, which is like God with skin on. You know, just because I'm recovered now doesn't mean that life is suddenly easy, right? Life continues to have its ups and downs. And when life comes at us hard, um, remember, it's not if, it's when. We have to pray hard and throw ourselves into helping others. You know, everyone has a, a difficult pandemic story um, or experience. And, and for me, um, you know, my mom was moved into memory care and can no longer call me by name. Um, my daughter has gotten divorced this year. You know, we have stood by two dear friends who have buried their adult sons, and neither of those were COVID-related. And my husband and I continue to work in healthcare with immunosuppressed people and try not to get COVID. And I realize that my prayer life and my program life have saved my life, um, most certainly in the beginning and through this last couple of years that have been so trying and so difficult. Um, it has saved my life over and over and over again. And may it be so for you. And with that, I'll pass. Oh, Lisa, thank you so much for this beautiful presentation this morning. Just chock full of information. So very informative and thorough. What a presentation that uh, illuminating the study of the Big Book's directions on making contact with power. Thank you ever so much, Lisa. Much appreciated. The sheer ID for this beautiful presentation this morning, 18,043. That's 18043. At the conclusion of this recording, so stay tuned for that. We will now transition to a question-answer segment with Lisa. You can pose a question, questions only, please, by pressing star 1 to unmute. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. questions this morning? Hello. I have a question. Hello? Yes, Morning. your name please. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear. Uh, I had my earphones on. Um, your I name please? Kathy. Kathy, let me just gather a list please, Kathy. And oh, I'll, sure, anyone else? Have a question this morning and like to get on the list? Start Hi, one. Deb. 
Oh, hi. This is Deb S. from Michigan. Deb hey, S. Anyone Maura else? Mora Z. Star one ten mute. If Kathy Joe P. And Kathy Joe. Pamela G. Pamela G. Okay. I'm Kathy with a D. If you're doing that. Okay, Kathy with a D. Thank you. Okay. Okay, so let's get started. I have Kathy D. I believe Deb S. Maura Z. Kathy Joe P. And Pamela G. Kathy D. Go right ahead with your question, please. Kathy D, star one to unmute to pose your question. I'm sorry. I was speaking. I thought I was unmuted. Can you hear me, moderator? Yes. Okay. I would like to get Lisa's number if she gave it out already, or if not, can I get it, please, Lisa? Very educational this morning. Yes, Kathy, we will get Lisa's contact information at the conclusion of this recording, so please stay tuned for that. Deb okay. S., your turn. Star one to unmute, Deb S. Thanks. This is Deb S. I'm in Michigan. I have two questions, actually. I just loved your presentation. So many pieces in there, just really, um, you know, awesome and making a difference. I appreciate it. And Leah, appreciate everything you do. So my two, I have two questions, kind of, and one was just in the back of my mind, but the other is more kind of about me and asking you how to how to navigate this. Do you ever have times? I mean, I think you do because you alluded to it and said about you know this is not perfect. Every day is not perfect. There are times when I go to God and say, take the fear, you know, things like this. I'm wondering about times when because I still have this, even though I'm clean and I'm recovered for a long time, I'll have thoughts that I just wish I didn't have. They're insolent. They're mean. You know, like, oh, I'd love to say that to my sister. You know, th- you know, thinking about her being not who I'd like her to be. Or these are ego. These are thoughts that are not helpful. Now, I'm not going to act on those thoughts. But how do you ad- how do you address that? How- what do you do if you have those situations, and, and how do you get through it and and know that you're still with God and know that, I don't know, you have that peace that comes with it? How do you do that? Okay, that was one. Can you hear me okay? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, you had more than one question. I mean, I've got the first question. Was there, did I, or did I miss the second one? How do I? what do I do or how do I get through that? Cause <laughs> that's a great question. Um, and I can tell you that, um, in this, well, in this last year, um, if my thoughts of character assassination could have harmed my ex son-in-law, um, I can't even begin to tell you how, um, often. So, so what do I do? Because that's the, that's the first example I can come up with. Um, and um, I have to do a 10 step because right. What, what, what those, those thoughts to me 
um, are resentful thoughts. And, and I would also say they're, they're fearful thoughts um, as well. And so um, I have, I mean, you know, this last year, I can't even tell you how many 10 steps I did around my, my son-in-law. Um, but because, right, and, and, and I wouldn't say not just my son-in-law. It could be my coworkers. It could be, um, and, and, you know, thankfully, right, um, when I have those thoughts now, they don't come out of my mouth. Um, but I have to go back and say, you know, God, please remove these. And, and sometimes they are so strong, right, that I have to do a 10-step. Um, and I just have a beautiful group of people um, that are willing to listen. And over and over and over again, um, did, I, did I do these 10 steps? Um, so that's my suggestion. <laughs> Thank you very much, Deb S., for your question. Next up, Maura Z. Good morning, Maura. Good morning, Leia. Thank you. Lisa, thank you for your share. I have, um, I came in late, so forgive me if I'm asking a question that you addressed earlier in your share, but I'm going to assume that sometime in your life you didn't want to prayer. You didn't want to pray, um, and that's what I'm faced with now. And I'm wondering if you have any insights into that kind of a situation. I'm in relapse, by the way. Okay. So mm, that's a great question. Um, and, you know, a couple of things come to mind. <laughs> um, the first thing is when we're in the food we do not want God. And most likely when we have God, we don't want the food. Um, in my experience about not wanting to pray, and I'm, I'm thinking about a couple of years ago um, when uh, a, specific, a specific resentment really is what came up for me. Um, and, you know, in the big book, I can't, you know, I'm not good with pages, but, you know, it says um, if, if my, um, if my religion says I should go talk to a, um, a, a rabbi or a priest or whatever, um, I found that I had to do that. I, I, um, because I couldn't, I couldn't let go of it. It was like doing a fifth step with a priest for me. Um, and what came up for me was um, a, I think that I had not let go of this resentment and B that I had not forgiven that person to whom I had the resentment toward. This happened to be, be my brother. Um, He was at the top of my resentment list. Um, And again, so I think that, um, that, that when we, Perhaps, perhaps that when we have not um, thoroughly cleaned house, right, that we still have resentments or fears or whatever, um, that, that, that that keeps me blocked, right? That's keeping me blocked from, from God. Um, and again, I did talk about being abstinent and getting abstinent because the only way that for me, I could really have a clear head. Um, and really attempt to make connection was to be abstinent and, and be clear-headed. 
Um, and, and we can talk afterwards too. I mean, I did talk kind of about the strategies around that, um, getting abstinent and staying abstinent. So I hope that helps. Thank you, Marzi, for your question. Kathy Joe P, star one to unmute. Good morning. I'm so happy to be here today and so grateful for you, Lisa, and for being on my God Squad. And we got started together and had the same sponsor together. It's amazing. <laughs> and when I met you at the Vision Conference, I asked you what your favorite um, big book um, quote was. And you said, and it really fits today, the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of your life. I'm changing the words. You present a powerful reason why one should have faith. I just want to ask you, even though you were so thorough today, if there's anything else that comes up when you think about that quote. And thank you so much. Um, thanks for the question, Kathy Jo. Um, yeah, wow, we have a, quite a connection. Um, so I think that... Um, it's probably, I think when I first read that quote, um, that that's what I wanted. You know, I really wanted, um, I wanted the most important thing in my life to be that consciousness of the presence of God. Um, and I, so again, that being my desire, I tried to figure out, right, how do I get there? How do I, um, how do I actually, how do I change my concept of God um, that I can, that I can get there? Because again, like I said, I never, I never heard anybody talk about God being down deep in, inside me. Um, so that probably has changed um, this idea that, um, that, uh, that I have, I feel like now, um, and again, it grows, right? It grows and changes. Um, but I do have this um, idea of a, um, uh, uh, I want to say concept of, a, a, you know, this power um, that I can't see, that I can't identify. I can tell you about it. But for me, I know without a doubt it exists. And again, the beauty is it exists down deep in me. Um, but I think that that was that was my desire. I think that's why that line stands out to me because I thought, wow, if other people can have this, if that, um, and I think I wanted to change, right? For the longest time, the most important thing in my life was food, or I might've thought the most important life, the thing in my life was my children or my house or my husband, you know, and, and to do this work and, and get recovered and be transformed um, I can now say, right, that is, that is faith. That is this belief in a power we can't see, but we know without a doubt it exists. So I hope that helps. Thank you, Kathy Jopi, for your question. Pamela G., your turn. Good morning. Thank you both for your service. Um, I am amazed, I guess. I don't, shouldn't be, but I loved the entire presentation. I thought it was very powerful. Um, and I particularly like if you're living in the past and you're in resentments, and if you're living in the future, you're living in fear because of the one day at a time and take, make the most of each day we're given by God. 
My question is, um, in terms of uh, people who are either agnostic or an atheist, the big book talks a lot about um, act as if there is a God or a higher power. And I know you did address that a little bit, Lisa, but could you also address that for those people who are, I mean, I hear all the time people come into the rooms and they run away screaming because they had a bad experience with God or and very angry with the higher power about trauma in their life. I appreciate mm-hmm. you. Thank you. Right. Thank you for that question. Um, you know, there, um, there is a fellow who, um, who I would say was very instrumental in my recovery, who is, is agnostic. Again, I don't know if they say they're atheist or not. I'm not really sure about that. Um, but I think that, and I really wish somebody would tell me where the set aside prayer comes from, because I did have this notion. I did grow up um, believing that God was an angry, punishing God. Um, I do like this idea that God can be just good, orderly direction, right? God can be love, truth, beauty, justice. I don't think, again, none of us have this monopoly on God, right? Um, So uh, maybe it is, right, figuring out, right, if we want to toss aside this idea of God, or, or I don't shouldn't say toss it, that's not the right word, to move it aside, right? If that does not work for us, to find whatever, it could be any term. I mean, a term to me, you know, it could just be love, you know, maybe that's what, um, because, you know, one of the things I think, and I used to tell my children um, that, that if you know love, you know God. If you've experienced love for a child or a spouse or a parent or a sibling or whatever, um, I think that that's where it comes from. Um, and, and right, love is so big that um, it's hard to define. It's hard to wrap our arms around, um, but it's there, right? We have that feeling. We know what that feels like. Um, and I think that that's what my higher power feels for me. Um, so, um, again, I, um, atheist or not, agnostic or not, um, you know, believing in God, higher power, whatever, or not, I still think that we can get recovered. You know, we can figure out, um, again, I guess really it is um, internalizing, right? We don't have to identify that power. We just have to know that that power is not us, right? And we can continue to work the steps. Um, and, and again, right, the, 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 the big book is pretty clear about trying to establish connection um, with this power, you know. Um, but again, it's okay if you don't want to call it God. I loved, I loved, you know, if you want to call it Sid, strength, inspiration, direction. If you want to call it my buddy. I mean, I love that. Um, my creator, right? I didn't create myself. I didn't create the world or the moon or the stars. You know, something created it. I don't know what it is. Um, but I think it can be, I don't think we need to make it so difficult. I think we need to simplify it um, however we can simplify it. So thanks for the question.
Yes, thank you, Pamela G. We have time for another list of names. If you have a question, star one to unmute. I need your first name, including the first letter of your last name. Samantha A. Samantha A. Sorry, C. Sorry, C. Hi, this is Rachel. Rachel. Yeah, when, whenever. Thank you. Reggie O. Reggie O. Robin Robin P. And Robin P. Okay, let's stop there. Thank you. Okay, Samantha A., please go ahead with your question. Hey, good morning, everyone, and thank you so much for your share this morning. It was very, very powerful. I know when you were speaking, you talked about, you know, the difference between how you handled things prior to being recovered and how you handle things now that you are recovered. I would like to pull on that string just a little bit. Uh, Could you share with us an experience that you've had uh, since being recovered that that you knew that God was working in your life or that your your higher power that you that your higher power that you define was working in your life? Um, I know you shared a couple of experiences um, on this share, but I was just wondering, um, you know, what might be another experience that comes to mind that you just know, you know, God is working in in your life as a result of being recovered. Thank you. Okay, that's, um, those are, those are great questions. I, um, and two things come to mind. Um, the, the biggest, of course, because it's first and foremost and what has happened is um, my daughter getting divorced and the relationship that I had with my son-in-law. Um, and, and what I would say is, well, let me start by saying um, before OA, I can only imagine the words that would have come out of my mouth to somehow... Um, tear him down, burn him down, whatever, um, because I was so I was so angry and so hurt and so disappointed and so sad and all those things. Um, um, so after again, after many, many tenth steps around this and, and and actually after writing it all out, um, sharing with God and sharing it with some fellows, um you know, even though the harm toward my son-in-law was not actually, never came out of my mouth, it was just in my head and in my heart, um, I was, you know, then I got to this amends, you know, how am I going to make amends to him, right, even though I didn't say anything to him um, without creating more harm. And so I wrote him a letter. I don't want to get too emotional about this. And in that letter, um, I said to him, um, I pray that God bring you the same love, happiness, and health that I would pray for my own children. Um, And I literally put love always. And I put Mrs. H because he used to call me Mrs. H. Um, And... And that was, uh, I mean, the difference in my behavior. Now, again, right, I, I was just talking about critical thoughts, right? Those things still come. 
um, as much as I don't want them to come. Um, but that's how I dealt, dealt with that. Um, the other, the other thing, the other, you know, kind of recent things that come up for me were, um, and I mentioned that we had two, two family friends, actually we've had three, but recently it's been two that have, um, lost adult children. And, um, I don't, I think that prior to recovery, I probably would have been too afraid to show up for them, perhaps. Um, but I was able to show up for them, um, be present for them, reach out to them, talk to them, even though it was so terribly painful. Um, and, and actually, in one instance, I was just able to hug my friend who was the mom and, and, and literally just said to her, you know, God is, God is here. God is, God is present with you. And I would never have said that before program. I, I'm almost positive I wouldn't have. And, and again, maybe it is that um, asking, right, asking God to speak through me, you know, I'm sure that plenty, many people on the, on the line that are recovered, you know, you might say something and think, oh, my gosh, I have no idea where that came from. It did not come from me. Um, um, continuing to work these steps has created for me um, a calmness and a peace and, like I said, clear head and, and better understanding of other people and, and certainly um, of myself. I hope, I hope that's good. I hope that's okay. Thank you, Samantha A. Suri C., your turn to pose a question. Um, is it odd or is it God? I, <laughs> I, I wanted to ask, um, I... How do you um, understand a person who, or uh, who, like working the steps before being fully abstinent? Um, because um, I've, I've struggled with this, and and trying to, I've heard many times until you have complete abstinence, you cannot um, you cannot start working the steps. And I personally know that that I feel like in my gut that that can't be true for me and and yet I'm being told that I'm wrong um and I I'm asking as like you know is it odd or is it god I was amazing for parts of my day yesterday and today while listening to your thing in prayer towards the end I got something chewy and my tooth just chipped into pieces um while here so how, and I'm desperate to start the steps, but I can't find a sponsor that will. So what's your understanding of working the steps without being fully? Um, yeah, so thank you for the question. Um, I, I can only tell, I mean, I can tell you my experience. So what I, what I, what I, what I do know, right, and I, can't, I cannot um, tell you what page it's on, um, but I think in the big book it says, that you need to be at least clear of the substance for 48 hours before you can start working the steps. Um, my experience, I can only 
go from, from my experience. And um, when I was in the food, my, my mind was so clouded um, that I couldn't, and I've talked about this before, I could not hear the message. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't um, internalize the message. Um, I, I, so, so for me, um, I had to be, I had to be abstinent. And I mean, again, everybody's story is different. I was abstinent for, for a while before I ever got a sponsor to start working the steps. Um, and again, the other thing that I had to do was I had to make a detailed list. I mean, I wrote down every sugary substance that I knew I could not just eat one of. Every crunchy, whatever it was, I knew I could not just eat one of. Um, and, and, and so the other, the other thing that, um, that I really had to do, um, I remember when I was trying to get abstinent, was I had to ask for help, right? I had to ask. I mean, at the time, it was just me and my, my husband living in the house. And I literally had to say for, to him, just for now, if it's okay with you that we don't have any of these things in the house. You know, I, I mean, again, I had to have, I had to have that help. I had to have support, um, from, from my husband too. Um, you know, wh- whether I would have gotten recovered if he didn't support me, I don't know. Um, but what I really feel to be true, cause it's a little bit like uh, telling an alcoholic, you know, oh, well just one beer and I can still work the steps, right? The mind is still clouded. Um, I am still blocked. Um, if I am if I'm continuing to take in for me sugar, um, it, it just does not create a cleared mind. But I think the big book says we've got to have 48 hours. So that's, that's my experience. Thank you, Suri C. Okay, questions only, please, so we can attend to these last few people. Rachel E., your turn. Star one to unmute. Hi, hello, hi, uh, hi, my my family. Can you hear me now? Yes, yes. Your question, yes. please. The, 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 the question is to you, Mother. May I? This thing came up about the set aside prayer, and in in the interest of all the other people who mentioned it, if I, I'm very grateful for this wonderful talk, and I kind of dug out that page just to say where it comes from, if I may. I think you gave us this page in, uh, in Virginia Beach uh, that uh, the, this prayer is not s- as such set in the big book, but it comes from seven different places in the big book. And if I will get Lisa's number, I will call her and give the numbers. But it's not said as, it, as we say. It. That's it. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Appreciate that. Okay, Reggie O, oh, your question, please. Good morning, Leah. Thank you always for your wonderful service. And um, when I first came into vision, my first time through the steps, I my, I realized fears was a fear of intimacy and that came round yesterday I was doing some some uh, step work with a buddy and uh, 
that oh, that fear of intimacy impacts every single relationship. And at one point, I had this realization that I can only be as or whatever in my life as I am. And that has been, I mean, that is really improving. And a major problem has been my almost inability to be intimate anywhere. So if you have, I would love any of your uh, thoughts or experiences or on that. Um, hmm. um, on, well, gosh, um, intimacy. What is that they say? Into me, I see. Um, I, I don't, mm. I think that prior to OA, um, I, I had more trouble, right? I think that my, um, and I think a lot of it had to do with um, honesty. Um, I didn't, I, whether I was not honest with myself or honest with the people that I loved the most um, or even my, my dearest friends. Um, so I think prior to OA, it had a lot to do with dishonesty for me. Um, now, in, in recovery, um, of course, intimate relationships are, are, um, can, always, they can be challenging. Um, but one of the things that I um, have learned is, and I remember saying this to my, to my husband, is I'm not going to do this perfectly but I'm going to do it with as much rigorous honesty as I can. Um, and I think that holding back, I guess that's what the word I want to think about um, in sharing myself, is just fear. It has to do with fear. Um, and, and it could be, you know, it could be old stuff. I mean, it could be this idea that um, I don't think I'm good enough, um, which is fear for me. Um, I don't think, uh, maybe I don't, maybe um, when I'm trying to convey what I mean, um, perhaps I'm not going to be heard. Um, perhaps that person is, you know, not going to be able to listen to me. Um, so uh, it certainly is, um, it just takes time, I think. Um, but I think what it comes back to is is fear, um, this fear of of not being enough. And again, maybe that's just a matter of doing a, a fear inventory to really look at that. So I hope that helps. Thank you, Reggie O, for your question. Thanks to everybody who posed questions this morning. And of course, thank you, Lisa H., for such a beautiful and thorough presentation this morning on connecting with power. Very powerful presentation on the subject matter, an important, vital subject matter. Share ID for today's presentation, 18,043. That's 18043. You'll be able to access that on our website or through our recorded line. Again, thank you, Lisa H. We're going to close now from page 164. Of course, you know it's from a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. 
see to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.